We are live. Go for it. Welcome back. Hey, y'all. Thanks for coming. Welcome to Into the Light. We have a special guest today, Audrey, and we're so grateful she's come on with us today. And we are excited to introduce y'all to her. We're so excited to have Audrey on the podcast today. For real, I have, I could go on and on about all the good things about Audrey. Aw. But we... Can we just say we have spectacular people we bring on? I don't think we bring on one like, eh, you're kind of mid, you know? No, we don't have mid people on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I got to know Audrey a little bit. Oh gosh, it's been a while now. It's probably been almost a year. Yeah. But I worked at a treatment center called Telos and Audrey was on my same floor and we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but I worked Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays in the morning and Audrey worked, I can't remember what days in the morning. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays in the afternoon to evening. And then Saturday in the morning. Yes, with you. Yes. And so Saturday mornings were obviously my favorite morning. (laughs) Mine too. Her, her and Ammon were, were seriously the best people to work with ever, <laughs> along with everybody else there. But Audrey is, she just barely got into the marriage and family therapy program here at UVU Masters. So congratulations for that. She Thank just you. started on Monday. This episode's not going to come out for a few more weeks. So we'll be about halfway through the semester. But Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. congrats to Audrey Thank for you. getting into that master's program. She studied psychology as an undergrad from Arizona and she's incredible Wait, you graduated from where from BYU but I'm from Arizona oh yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) but Audrey is a person so the place that we worked was a treatment center for teenage boys and the boys absolutely adored Audrey (laughs) and she was way better at talking to them than any of us guys were I'm so sweet. Audrey. They also hated me. <laughs> they also hated me sometimes. <laughs> oh boy. Needless to say, Audrey's going to be like the ideal mom. She's going to be a great Aww, mom someday. Thank um, you. But we're so happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's <laughs> really awesome what you guys are doing. Let's um let's jump right into it though. We'd love to get started with just a brief background of okay. kind of how you grew up, the household you grew up in. You can maybe say a little bit about your family. Um, cool. But yeah, let's get started with a little bit of background. Also okay. pertaining to like your family and yeah. their activity in the church. Like, did you guys do FHE type? Like, yeah. tell us how the gospel and your family and how that was integrated in you growing up. Yeah. So, okay. So I come from a family of, there are six kids, three boys, three girls. We're all about two years apart, I'd say. Um, so we're pretty close in age. Um, my mom and dad, you know. Uh, and yeah, was born and raised in Arizona. Um, and I would say the church was always the center of our lives, or I should say, maybe not the church as much as the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know? And, um, I really felt like, yeah, we did, we did all the things, you know, we did family home evening every week. We woke up and read our scriptures at 6am and then had family prayer after, and we would go to church on, you know, vacation and stuff like that. And, um, but I feel like I was something that was always very much taught in my household was the why for why we did those things. Like, um, 
you know, why are we praying every morning as a family and reading our scriptures? And then also I remember my parents saying, you know, like in high school when we would have mutual on mm-hmm. Wednesday nights and I didn't want to go cause nobody else my age was going. <laughs> and, uh, she was like, you don't go for you. You know, you go to yeah. fellowship others and, you know, serve and stuff. Sounds so like an awesome mom. Yeah, she was, she was, she is, she is, <laughs> she is the best. Well, um, so you were, yeah, <laughs> you were the best. Um, so yeah, I would just say very, the gospel was very central to our lives and we were, very active mm-hmm. in church like practices and participation that's awesome do you think that especially with gospel topics and like if you were struggling or if any of your siblings were struggling like you guys would feel comfortable to be open about talking about it as a family or individually with your parents or something like that like how how is that vulnerability within i think that my parents always encouraged us to talk to them about things. And so, yeah, we wouldn't really talk about it as siblings, but I do know just from my talking to a couple of my other siblings that they did go to my parents individually to discuss the trials and challenges that they were going through. Um, So we were never really vulnerable as a whole family. It was mostly just with our parents. I think that I've also talked to my, a couple of my siblings about this, but I think because we came from such an amazing family, there was a ton of pressure. Yeah. Like, even though my parents never intentionally put that on us, we wanted to be, we wanted them to be so proud of us, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I think going to them with these hard and vulnerable things was very hard because we didn't, we didn't want to seem like we weren't, trying our best I guess you know yeah yeah but yeah so yeah like expectations were there expectations were high and there and good but we yeah yeah got it yeah which I feel like is a very common thing yeah yeah Um, Mm -hmm. especially in church culture is like this expectation to be a perfect family but we were talking right before we started recording this is that everyone might seem like they have the perfect life on the outside yeah and then you get to know them or you hear a yeah. podcast and they tell their story and you're like, whoa. Yeah, I was just thinking too, because we were having that conversation. Within the church, we like want to have this ideal family, right? And it, like, it seems like you and a lot of our other viewer or guests have this like very ideal family. Mm-hmm. But it's like, even though you have an ideal family, even though you're reading your scriptures every day, even though the gospel is so integrated in your lives, Things are going to happen. Trials will still come to you. It doesn't matter how righteous your parents are in raising you guys. You're still going to struggle somehow. And that's that's just the plan of salvation. You are not exempt from trials. And I think that's so powerful because everyone can have that look on the outside. However, everyone's fighting their own demons every day. Absolutely. That's one of the goals of this podcast, too. We're trying to normalize these problems yeah like these this isn't something that should be kept in the dark everyone has problems everyone has trials and we can all help each other through. especially normalize talking about them exactly especially because then there's less pressure you know Mm -hmm. especially as a member of the church to you know have your family you know as good and as loving as your family may be to expect Mm -hmm. there will be no trials in this family because we're all so loving and we're trying to live the gospel 
So, yeah. Oh, that's powerful. Oh, I got chills. Yeah. Let's go starting off strong early. Yikes. Yikes. Um, <laughs> let's, let's dive in. So this, okay. this episode is going to be about specifically eating disorders because that is something that Audrey has gone through herself. And so we just want to kind of turn the time over to you right now to take us back to the beginning. And mm-hmm. um, we have a little bit of background, but where does this all start for you in your life? So, um, like I said, grew up very happy childhood, tons of cousins, grandma and grandpa's house every weekend, just, just best friends, you know, with everybody, aunts and uncles, you know. Um, and I think the earliest I can remember starting to worry about what I looked like was, um, I'd say sixth or seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So I was probably, how old are you when you're in sixth Around 12, grade? 12, 12, 13. 12. Yeah. And so I remember I was in my grandma's backyard, one of my grandparents' um, backyard, and I looked, they had some big sliding doors. And I remember looking and the body I saw in the reflection was like hideous to me. Like, and I just remember thinking, wow, I wow, I need to, I need to change how I look, you know, big time. I need to be thinner. I need to be. And I remember that day I decided I'm going to join cross country because that's where all the skinny people, you know, go, you know? Um, and so I joined cross country and track. And so, um, and I think this is kind of where I started to internalize some messages like, some of my family members, like extended family, were very into diets. Mm, yeah. And they would always, you know, they would never make a comment at me ever, but just like comments they would make like, oh, I'm on this diet so that, you know, I can be thinner or so mm-hmm. that, you know. So I think from a very young age, I internalized like, oh, in order to be desirable or for people to like me, I need to be dieting all the time so that I can look a certain way so that people will like me. Mm. Um, And so I remember my relationship with food really got complicated, like, around this point. And I remember going to family, like, those family gatherings on the weekends. I wouldn't be able to control myself because I around food because all day I would eat very little. I started to eat very little during the day. And then when I would get to these family functions, I just felt this overwhelming Mm -hmm. loss of control. Yeah. Yeah. Stress, Mm -hmm. loss of control. Um, so yeah. So then going into high school, like I said, I joined cross country and track because really my motivation was just to be skinny, Mm -hmm. you know? And cause then boys in high school would like me. I'd be one of the popular girls, whatever. Um, and I remember my freshman year being weighed. They weighed everybody. And I remember specifically the coach weighed all the girls and then put our weights up on a piece of paper and put it on the wall. Oh my goodness. And I think I was the heaviest one. Like, um, how heavy were you at the time? Just, I just was for... like 96 pounds. Oh my gosh. What was the purpose of that? I have no idea. Well, to be honest, I think if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was like um, 
yeah, like the lighter you are, the faster you run, kind of, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, well I feel like absolute crap. 96 now. pounds as a freshman. Oh, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I completely internalized that. And now looking back, I realized how intense that was. Like my weight being put up and compared, not just put up, but compared Mm -hmm. to everyone else's. And so from that day on, I remember I asked one of the assistant coaches, I said, okay, how do I lose weight? And she said, you eat, what did she say? 1600 calories for one week. The next week you go down to 1200. The week after that, you go down to 800. And then you like stay there. At least I think that's what I remember her saying. And so that's what I started doing. I got, um, I think I didn't have a cell phone at that time. So I started, I made a MyFitnessPal account on the computer and I started tracking all my calories and I could not for the life of me reach what she was saying. I was so hungry. Like, all the time. That's ridiculous for a high school aged girl with who's running a super high metabolism who's running all the time. Every day and That's, hormones. I expect yeah. you had your period at that point. Yeah. It was it was wild. And so um because she was a very this assistant coach was a very small woman. Yeah. Like she was petite as heck. So I'm like, I'm maybe Just that like worked her natural for body you. type is Yeah. Is so petite. I'm like, maybe yeah. that worked for you to go to down to eight hundred calories because you require so little sustenance, <laughs> but like not me. I'm tall. I was tall. I was like I had like I had muscles, you know, like yeah. at that point. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, and so high school just became a really big struggle. I constantly felt not enough. And I remember at one point, though, um, this boy that I had a crush on started liking me. And I thought, oh, like, I did it. I did it. I'm skinny enough to where boys will start liking me. And then when everything kind of fell apart um, and I had a big friend group change, like things ended kind of weirdly and dramatically with that boy and then that friend group that I'd had. And I just was so lost. I was like, no, like, well, I just, I'm not pretty enough. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of actually the one who made the decision to step away from the boy, but I felt so badly about myself mm-hmm. still. I was like, well, no one else is going to like me. Did, did anybody validate those thoughts that you had about yourself? Like, was it, was there any external forces that were like, yeah, Audrey, like you need to, or was it just all internally? I really think it was all internal. I think it's because of lo- a lot of what I saw. Okay. In high school, I saw like a certain kind of girl getting the guy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what all the popular girls looked like, you know, and they all looked very similar. And so... So um, no boy like validated no. the fact that you needed to be skinny or... No. Okay. Never. Did... Which, thank the heavens. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd slap on myself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did, did your... Did anyone in your family notice or did your parents notice or anything like that? Did anyone say anything to you during this time? Yeah. So I remember I would go... This is when I started going to my mom and just crying and being like, I, I hate how I look. I, it makes me feel... I just don't feel good about myself. And I started... How old were you when you had that first conversation with your mom? Uh, 
to be honest, probably like, yeah, freshman year of high school. So probably like 14, 14, 15. Yeah. 15. And, um, I remember asking her, she, well, my mom is so amazing and my dad too, but my mom, you know, I had the most conversations with Mm -hmm. about this and I remember her saying, what can I do? Like, how can I help you? And I remember telling her if you could buy me the Nutrisystem diet, that would be great. Like that would, that would be awesome. And she was like, okay, if that's what you want. And so she bought me that nasty, it's so disgusting. (laughs) Can't even be called real food. Just individualized packaged, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner dessert, you know, meant to very much super low calorie, super low calorie, really restrictive meant to control your diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember I told my mom, it's so hard for me to have any kind of sugar in the house. So she took it all out. Wow. She removed everything. Well, yeah. you know, besides like baking stuff. But then, um, yeah, so I didn't really tell any of my siblings. Maybe because I think a lot of them were too young to understand. Like maybe the sister right under me, I, I think I would like tell her like, oh, I just hate how I look and stuff. But my mom and dad were definitely the ones I talked to the most about it. And they were so supportive. They just they just wanted to help. Mm-hmm. So they were really great. Um, even though I was, I was trying to go about it all the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember, um, I remember my senior year and so it got all the way up. Yeah. To senior year and prom time is coming. Mm-hmm. And I told myself, I'm going to lose this much weight for prom because if I don't I genuinely believed no one was going to ask me mm. and um and then I I did I like I lost the amount of weight in a very unhealthy way and actually this is when people started validating like I remember a couple of my guy friends saying like oh my gosh Audrey you look so good like you're so cute you know, Mm. stuff like that. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, there it is. Like Mm -hmm. there's the evidence, you know? Um, and so for senior prom, I, I remember I put on my prom dress and my mom was telling me, you look so beautiful. And I went in and she was like, go show your dad, you know? And I went in to show my dad and he said, honey, you look so, you know, you look so beautiful. And I started bawling because I did not feel that way. Mm. Even still, even still. I felt terrible because it wasn't enough. It, I hadn't lost enough. I still, it ne- was never enough. Did you ever, like, during, the, maybe even before um, your senior year, have you ever, like, noticed that these are, like, very unhealthy ways of thinking? Or, like, when, I mean, maybe if it happened after, we don't have to talk about it now. But, like, yeah. did you ever be like, I'm going to stop today? Like, this is not, I'm not going to think like this today. Or... Do you ever have like a frame of mind change or something like that? Yeah, I think I think I realized that the cycle I was in of because by now it was really bad where I would literally bring a little Tupperware of spinach with three almonds on top and some vinaigrette and that's what I would eat all day to binging and every you know on everything in my fridge at night and I actually I think that my mindset was more my will isn't strong enough 
Mm. Like what's Mm. bad about this is that I have no self-control. I didn't. Yeah. When I would binge. And I, so I never thought this cycle is unhealthy Mm -hmm. and I'm hurting myself. It was, I'm just not working hard enough. Yeah. Um, and so I remember senior year and this is really where the, the spirit starts to come in. I would say is senior year. I can't remember if it was before or after prom, but I was just on my bedroom floor bawling my eyes out and saying out loud, heavenly father, please, you know, just help me stop, help me stop eating so much. Um, please make it stop basically. And, um, I remember just clear as day this, I guess the only way to describe it would kind of be like a bright light turning on, (laughs) you know, but like in your mind Mm -hmm. and it just said a thought just said James one five. And I sat up. That's how like intense the thought was. And I thought, there's no way I just thought that. (laughs) And I, and I seriously thought, could it possibly be like an answer? You know, so I flipped to it right away and I'll just open it up real quick. Okay. Yeah. So it's James one three. Okay. And it says, it's, it's so short. It says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And for some reason that was enough. I was like, how'd you interpret that? Yeah. I interpret it as I interpreted it as I just, okay. An answer's coming. Like that's what I felt in my heart was an mm-hmm. answer's coming. You just need to wait, keep mm-hmm. going. And so I was like, all right. I will. Yeah. There's no, like, I'm not going to do anything else. You know, there's no other option besides to move forward for me. So by that point I got into, uh, I graduated high school and I got into BYU and I remember starting that fall and now I was on my own and, um, buying your own food, buying my own figuring food. out what food to purchase at the grocery Being store super stressed with classes mm-hmm. and now feeling all this pressure to date and be desirable enough to date yeah you know by the rms and everything <laughs> and um and so yeah it, my habits continued into college so i was very stressed you know trying to meet the demands of byu and then um of my coursework and then also heavily restricting myself and exercising a ton. And so the cycle continued of restrict, uh, emotions, hard emotions, binge, hate myself, start it over. Were you still shaming yourself about the binge part? Oh, a hundred percent. So it wasn't even the fact that you were restricting yourself during the day. It was like, it was, it was the I'm eating night. too much at night. Yes. A hundred percent. That's crazy. That blows my mind. How backwards that is. Isn't that, that, isn't that is. crazy? Yeah. I would steal. And <laughs> if my roommates listen to this later on, <laughs> I would steal their cereal. I remember I would never allow myself to buy Captain Crunch or anything that I actually liked. And I would, take a little bit like of their cereal of like a little bit from everybody's cereal <laughs> eat a yeah. ton of cereal cereal is heaven cereal really is, is heaven i love it <laughs> cereal's a little bit of the celestial kingdom on <laughs> amen Captain um, crunch isn't in the celestial kingdom yes. I want to be there. <laughs> and so that that was my freshman year and so fall and winter semester so that is how things were going and um 
I remember um, getting into winter semester and deciding, okay, it's time to decide to go on, like if I'm gonna go on a mission. And when I'd received my patriarchal blessing when I was 14, you know, the patriarch looked at me and said, the Lord wants you to serve a mission. And I was like, all right. So then when I'm, you know, 19 and it's like, well, I kind of already know the answer, but like, <laughs> uh, but I want to know for myself because this patriarch told me, but like, I want to ask myself. Yeah. And yeah, I just felt this feeling of like, yeah, do it. You know, when I prayed about it. So I'm all excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go on a mission, you know, super cool. Um, and and I still didn't know what was going on with me. So, you know, fast forward to coming to the, I'd gotten my mission call to Singapore with uh, the Malaysia area. And I was so thrilled. Yeah. I was so excited. And then after that, things just kept going downhill with my behaviors, with the binging, restricting cycle mm. and hating myself. Were you, oh, sorry. Did, yeah, it was. Did you, <laughs> did you ever like, at this point, mm -hmm. you only have opened up to your parents about it and maybe your siblings. Have you ever opened up to, like, your friends? Or did anybody know you were struggling, like, in college when you were on your own? Or were you just completely on your own? On this no, thing? yeah. I would say my my roommate, who was also my best friend from high school, mm -hmm. my roommate, she knew. And I'd say a couple other friends knew. But I'd say mostly she knew. And I was just like, I just don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I can't stop eating you know and um I feel terrible about myself and you know she would she would hold me while I cried and you yeah. know be super compassionate but she didn't know mm -hmm. you know no, what was going too. on yeah um and so yeah I, I would say that no not a lot of people knew and yeah I'm, I'm assuming that you just lived a normal life outside of your own shame I feel like that's a common pattern that we've seen with everyone that we've interviewed is they they're having these intense struggles Mm -hmm. But besides the very intimate circle that actually knows about them, you don't show that weakness or that shame to anybody else. So I'm Not sure from the outside, everybody sees you as this super pretty girl that goes to <laughs> BYU that's mm -hmm. preparing to go on a mission, like everything's right. Yeah. How did, how, how did that aspect of, I guess oh, it's like a paradigm in your own head. Yeah, Isn't that crazy? It's You're a lack like of living vulnerability a double life. because yes. How did that affect your confidence knowing that knowing that that yeah just just knowing that you you weren't able to be yourself around people you know you weren't able to be your whole self around people yeah it just felt uh it felt very hopeless and very lonely mm. because i i genuinely believed that if anybody ever knew the real me that they would be disgusted and turn away. And so I never, I never like pursued guys. If they pursued me, cool. Like they, then maybe they wanted to see who I really was, you know, but I never put myself out there. Got it. Were you still extremely worried that a guy you would get close to would end up finding out who you were? Oh yeah. And be like, uh, no, mm -hmm. mm. like gross. And yeah, that's, I think that's literally the hardest feeling. I think that's one of the biggest lies that Satan tells us yeah. as, as members of the church or as people in general is that if people only knew the real me, they wouldn't be Absolutely. in my life anymore. Absolutely. I'm not lovable mm -hmm. as yeah. I truly am. Mm -hmm. But in reality, 
what we've noticed from this podcast is the exact opposite. People love yeah. you more when they see because your whole self. That. They see yeah. that you're an actual person. Well, I was I was going to, I mean, we'll, we'll go back to your mission part. I just wanted to, like, you said I felt extremely alone and so lonely. And I was the only person yeah. I thought going through this. And it just, that's literally every single episode we've heard. We've heard, I'm so alone. No one knows what I'm going through. So I kept it quiet. Exactly. Per into the light. Like, per us being shameful and not talking about it and not wanting to open up about it, you feel alone. You feel by yourself. You feel like no one else has gone through this. Absolutely. However, we've all noticed, like, through talking about it and being vulnerable and through therapy and through medications and all the different resources we have, we understand that's the exact opposite of how you, how, how is reality. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of people who know what you're going through. Yep. may not be the same, but it's so similar. The principles are similar. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> so me too. Cool. It's so comforting. Yeah. The, the feeling of not being alone. I can't even tell you how much that took off my shoulders. Yeah. Was knowing that I wasn't alone. Oof. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Which well, is, yeah. Which is. One more question real quick. Aaron, you're <laughs> Steve Rambling. <laughs> which is literally like our whole lives. We're never truly alone because we have a savior that's been there before and experienced mm-hmm. every single thing. Yes. And I was going to ask you before your mission, before this, this point where you decided to go on a mission and I don't know, it's a spiritual high when you're preparing for and have a mission call and, and before you're about to leave. But before that time, how do you feel like you would describe your relationship with your heavenly father? I would say it was very trusting. I feel like I learned early on. I feel very blessed that I, my parents encouraged me to ask questions. Mm -hmm. You know, is the Book of Mormon true? And I remember having a really great experience with that. Um, Just feeling the spirit. So it's pretty profound. Yeah, relationship with him, not very surface level. Like I believed. I believed and I and I you know I think the scripture study that I did with my family really helped me to gain a testimony and so I think what I my relationship with Heavenly Father and his son was very trusting um even though I hadn't been through a lot of things yet that would like test that faith Mm -hmm. I felt like if I just if I rely on him, things will be okay. Mm. And so I think my senior year, then when I got that scripture that popped into mm. my head, that's why I was able to believe it. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. like here we go. Got it. Did yeah. you did you feel loved? Oh, for who you so were? loved, so loved. Um, yeah, I'd say like especially in that moment when I read that scripture, like this feeling of just love, like I know you. You know, and I accept you, you know. So, yeah. Isn't that incredible? So amazing. So from your, going back to your mission. Yeah. um, You get your mission called to Malaysia. Yes. And Um, how was, yeah. Let's go. It was was so exciting. I remember my dad just sitting there and just kept like staring at the ground and he just kept saying, Singapore? (laughs) You know, he was so surprised. Where the heck is Singapore? Yeah, he was like, we need a map, you know. And so um, my parents, they came up to Utah to watch me open it, and then they went back. So then I'm finishing the semester, and I'm like, when the semester's over, I, you know, I'm leaving in June. Like, I'm going into the MTC in June. So let's finish out the semester strong. And I remember one night I had had a really awful binge, 
and I was feeling in the dumps and um, I went outside my apart, like my dorm and just sat on the steps and I was just honestly avoiding my feelings and I was looking on the internet and there was this article about, you know, the five worst foods to eat, my favorite, you know, oh, the clickbait yeah. that's like my favorite to look at and then apply the next day. Yeah. And I remember this article at the bottom, it had um, this line, a piece of it said, these foods, yeah, like are accepted as not good for you. But if you restrict too much, then you might have an eating disorder. Click here to see if you are struggling with these behaviors. And I was like, what? And I had this curiosity. And so like, this was completely foreign to you before. Completely foreign. That you had an eating disorder. Yeah, wow. no idea. So I clicked on it and it said, you, do you do A, B, C, D, E, F, G? And it just like bullet pointed them out. And I was like, if you do seriously like consult a, you know, like go see somebody mm-hmm. because you might have binge eating disorder or eating disorder in general. And I remember in that moment, it hit like lightning, like the spirit in my mind. I just heard, had this thought of this is it. Like, this is what has been going on. And by this time, what had been like a year? Yeah. Like I'd say like a year, um, since I'd had that be patient, you know? And so, um, I called my mom immediately and I'm crying and I'm like, mom, I think I know what's going on. And she was like, what, what is it? And I said, I think I, I think I have an eating disorder. And she said, okay. And I said, well, what do I do? I have my mission call. I'm supposed to be going in June. I I can't go out like this, you know? And, um, she said, okay, let's get you home. You'll have a month before you leave. Let's just get you all the help we can before you go. And I was like, okay. So I remember I went home and I started seeing a therapist um, who specialized in eating disorders. But I don't think it it was interesting to me because she would weigh me every time. She wouldn't show me my weight, but she would, like, weigh me. So weight was very much still a piece of it. Anyway, interesting. Mm. but she started to teach. She was great, though, because it was the initial, you know, thing that I needed. She started teaching me to notice the patterns of my behaviors and what caused them and like mark down, okay, when did I binge? Why do I think I binged? You know, like this and this. And so I had these like papers that I would print out that like were my logs basically. And, um, I remember I, so I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to just track throughout my mission and it's going to be good. So Mm -hmm. I went into the MTC and, um, I started to struggle. I was still doing my logs, but there's so much, you know, the MTC. So I much mean, stress and newness. And- yes. And then you've got, you know, elders doing cereal towers. Like, I don't, you know, with the bowls of cereal, you know. And- <laughs> that was me. Yes. <laughs> it was 100% me. Stop it. Are oh you serious? God. I'm dead serious. We oh, had a bowl of cereal with there every are few, meal. You know, how are we friends? You gotta, have, you gotta have some fun in the MTC, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and so, there, but there's just all this food. And I remember telling myself, I can't have any of that. Because the belief is still food is bad. Food is bad. I just have to mm. be more careful, even though I'm noticing these bad did behaviors. You, did you see any improvement in your 
eating habits from the month the month before you got into the MPC when you started to go to therapy? Yes, for sure. Okay. Yes, there was definitely improvement. But I think those beliefs were still very deep mm-hmm. in They're me. ingrained inside you. Yeah, ingrained inside me. And so I remember I started struggling with the food there. I remember, oh, this was so dumb. I asked to be put on the dietary restrictions list. Oh. I had no dietary, like allergies or anything but it was simply because that food was healthier Mm. um it was like gluten-free stuff it was like this and this and this it was like for celiacs Mm -hmm. i wasn't a celiac (laughs) but i remember i asked if i could be put on the list anyway so that was miserable um that's you like it's like crazy to like you were actively like in this and yeah nobody knew what was going on but like they're like, oh no, like she has dietary restrictions. Yeah, like, exactly. we gotta help her, you know? Exactly. Like, literally helping you into yes. your eating disorder. Like, assist, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, and so then I started to struggle because I was getting the pattern started getting bad again. Um, there's a lot more stress. So I remember I went to go see the MTC counselor and I'm sitting there telling her, you know, like, this is, I'm binging. I know I have an eating disorder, this and this and this. And she looks at me and she just says, I, I'm going to tell you, Sister Peterson, I don't think we can send you out like this. Mm. And I remember just sitting back and being like, almost like anger filling me. And I'm thinking, the Lord told me to go on a mission. Like, you cannot tell me if I can or cannot go, yeah. kind of. And then also just, but all this emotion came over sh- me. And she's like, I'm going to need to talk to the like MTC president. I'm going to need to talk to the other counselors. And I was like, I have these logs, like take them, show them to them. Like I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying really hard. You know, oh like, please, I don't want to be sent home, you know? And she was oh like, Oh my gosh, you were just, I was just busted the tears. I, w- I did. I was bawling. And so I remember she said, okay, I'll take these and I'll go talk to them. I'll let you know. And so I walked out of there and I did not go to the classroom. I had, I had another sister with me. I don't think it was my companion, but I went straight to my room and laid in my bed for the rest of the day and bawled because I thought, I seriously thought I'm going home. I'm going home tomorrow. And so you were like pleading to them. Yes. I'm trying. I need, I'm trying. Oh my God. Because can you imagine the contradiction that's going on in my head? Yeah. The Lord has told me to go on a mission. I'm, I'm sick. Like, mentally but the mm-hmm. lord still wants me to go i will be a failure if i do not still go yeah it's that perfectionist mentality right 100 it's, it's that expectation yeah that you have for yourself but that for other people have for you too i'm sure i mean i don't want to assume anything but did the the fact of how do i face these people back oh, in my home yeah world, oh yeah. yeah i couldn't i almost feel like i couldn't have bared like i would have felt so shameful mm-hmm. even though nobody would have treated me like so, that mm-hmm. i always would have felt like that and mm-hmm. so um, then I, I started sleeping and then I woke up, I like cried myself to sleep, woke up. And then I walk out into the lobby and the counselor walks in the door and she comes up to me and she says, have you been here all day? And I was like, yeah, you know, crying. And she's like, I am so sorry. Like you've been just so sad all day, you know, wondering. And she's like, I just want you to know, I talked to the other counselors. I showed them your worksheets and we decided like, we feel like you can do this. Like if you, if you decide to go and you keep working on it, like we won't talk to the president, like Mm. not in a secretive way, but just like, we don't feel the need to, so you can go. So I remember relief, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, all right, I'm going, but also dread. 
because everybody, all my teachers are telling me, you, oh, you get so, you know, the food in Malaysia is so unhealthy, you mm. know, and you're going to, you're mm. going to gain so much weight, whatever. So oh, it's like twofold. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think crazy. it like food is just so it's such it, it's integrated into every society ever, everything in every culture. And so you were going to go to a completely different culture, speaking yep. a completely different language, yep. different mannerisms, and you have this relationship with food that is just so unhealthy. So unhealthy. However, you're expected to eat everything on your dish. Exactly. So then how you go out to the field and how did you... Whew, yeah. Gosh. Exactly. Um. Maybe we don't have time for it, but I, I did no, have a couple. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Please. <laughs> we got time. Sis. Two amazing experiences in the MTC. So I would say the first one was, remember, it was my third day, I think, or second day even. And I was so stressed. I was so scared, like almost to the point of feeling like I was about to have an emotional breakdown. And I remember we all went to bed and I'm just laying in my bed. The lights are off and... And I just remember crying and like trying to keep my cry quiet and just praying. I was like, Heavenly Father, do you really want me to be here? So mm. I think this was before, this was before the counselor. I met with the counselor or anything. And I remember, I was like, because if, if you, if you want me to, I will go. I will go. Even though I, I, right now I'm so scared. And I remember, I think this was the strongest feeling I've ever had. Um, where it affected me so physically, but I just remember this, like, I, the only way I can describe it is like tingles that mm -hmm. started from the tip of my head and just went all the way down slowly to my toes. And it was complete calm. And in my, I feel like thoughts are a lot of times what I receive as answers. And I just, in my head, the thought came, um, Audrey, I want you to go because I love you and I love my children in Malaysia. And then I went to sleep and it was great. And I just kept going. Mm -hmm. And then the experience with the counselor happened. Um, and I think that's what made me so adamant that like, I've got to go, mm -hmm. you know? So then the blessing was mm -hmm. after that, that, that my, yeah, that my grandpa, he was a member of the 70 at the time. So he um, was at the MTC for a conference they were doing a, yeah, a conference there. And he knew I was in the MTC. So there's a phone call and they're like, sister Peterson, your grandpa wants to see you, you know? So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> so I know. And so I run up to the front building, you know, which is all blocked off. There's all these like security mm -hmm. people. Cause they're having a big, you know, the profits there, they're having like a big meeting. Yeah. And I remember I got to shake, uh, president Nelson's hand and he, you know, like with those piercing blue eyes. And, and then my grandpa and grandma take me into this room and they said, how are you doing? You know, and I just bawled. I said, I know I need to go. I'm just so scared. I'm so scared. And um, my grandpa, who is just the best, he shared this scripture with me. It's Jacob 4, 7. And it says, nevertheless, the Lord God showeth us our weakness that we may know that it is by his grace and his great condescensions unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. I love that so much. Me too. <laughs> so right there, it was like the Lord had showed me my weakness. I was, I That's was, did yeah. you ever know what you were struggling with? I think, I think I told him, okay. I think I like generally told him like, 
I was diagnosed with an eating disorder and this is why I'm scared, you mm. know, okay. and, but I still feel like I need to go. And so he shared that scripture with me and oh, that's amazing. It's on point. So on point. The man, thank the heavens for people who know their scriptures. <laughs> um, and so then I left, I left and I get to Singapore. Okay, everybody. Sorry to leave you on that little cliffhanger and sorry for the audio of this little file, but Audrey's story was so good that we wanted to break it up into two digestible parts. So this is the end of part one. Part two will be coming out next week, so stay tuned for that. We'll be posting on Instagram. In the meantime, we love you all, and we'll see you next week.